Predictions are dangerous. We absolutely need more inventory. The Fed doesn't actually have a lot of tools to regulate inflation. That cash has dried up. Wow, is my first thought, Bruce. If both parties don't win, it doesn't happen. The Real Look. Trending News. G'day. Today's Wednesday, October 4th. I'm Bruce Hardy. And I'm Chase Williams. And this is the news you need to know. Well, Chase, mirroring the trend for new home sales, pending home sales fell 7.1% in August. And that's according to data released Thursday by the National Association of Realtors. In fact, all four regions of the U.S. posted month over month and year over year declines in transactions. In fact, year over year, pending home sales were down 18.7%, an even greater decrease than the 14% annual drop recorded in July. Now, despite falling in August, new home sales remained 5.8% higher than the previous year, while pending home sales continued to lag last year's levels. What are your thoughts of this? Well, more of the same of what we've experienced recently, Bruce. And, you know, there's a funny part of this story where it says that some of these numbers suggest that the housing market is cooling. (laughs) I would say (laughs) it's cold already. (laughs) It's been cooling for quite some time, right? That's the funny part of it. But what's not funny is the dramatic drop we've had in activity over a year now, really, Bruce. And we're continuing to see that trend both in home sales and here we're talking about pendings, which are kind of a windshield number, if you will. They give us a little bit of glimpse into the next you know, 30 to 60 days into the fall market. Again, more of the same in terms of the cooling. And a few things that we know of are continuing to impact those numbers. One is the Fed policy around money and what that's doing to interest rates. And I think the other is just some general uncertainty around the economy. Bruce, as the Fed tries to slow it down, with varying results thus far, but no doubt they have the intention of continuing to try to slow it down. More talk of recession potentially coming in the future. It's a little bit iffy out there for a lot of folks, and certainly that's going to impact their decision-making around buying homes, just like a lot of things, right? Right. Well, you know, I thought it was interesting that uh, First American Deputy Chief Economist Odetta Cushy said that, like you said, these lead indicators of pending home sales are going to lead into the lag measure, which, of course, is the sales, Mm -hmm. and uh, keeping them at an annualized rate of around $4 through the fall. And that'll be the first time since 2010 we've seen these annualized rates this low. In fact, August came in at 4.04 million home sales on an annualized basis. So, you know, we were talking earlier in the year, Chase, that we thought it might be somewhere between 4.1 and 4.3. And now, as the slowdown continues, it's looking like it's going to be on the lower end of that. Yeah. And depending on how far on the lower end, Bruce, we could be looking at numbers as low as back to the mid-90s. So this story is talking about 2010. and, And again, we don't know what it'll end up at, We just know that it's going to be dramatically lower than in years prior and dramatically lower than in quite a number of years, whether that's, you know, 13 years or 23 years, either way, it's a long time. And so we're feeling the effects of that in the industry, no doubt about it. Absolutely. And I know anecdotally, we're hearing it all across the country, right, where things are even feeling slower now than they were even a month or two ago. I think the key, though, that we want our listeners to hear, Chase, though, is we're still going to close 4 million homes. As long as your goal is less than 4 million, they're there, right? So this is about getting your unfair share of the market. Big announcement from Redfin. 
they'll soon be requiring agents to cancel their National Association of Realtors membership. In fact, in a letter published on Redfin's website on Monday, Glenn Kelman and Redfin's leadership team said that Redfin is moving to end its support of NAR. After what the firm described as careful deliberation, Redfin will begin requiring their brokers and agents to leave NAR everywhere they can. What goes through your mind around this announcement? Well, certainly, Bruce, the National Association of Realtors is the huge lobbying arm of our industry. For the most part, the very vast majority of real estate agents are realtors or members of NAR. Not all of them are, but most of them are across the country, right? So this is certainly a big announcement. I think, you know, you paused on the part of the story talking about requiring, you know, not being a member where they can. And maybe you can elaborate a little bit on on what that actually means in terms of the outcome of this announcement. Yeah, I think it's pretty fascinating. I mean, Redfin is a Seattle-based company. That's where they have their greatest influence, by the way. And of course, Seattle is covered by the Northwest MLS. And Northwest MLS is not an association-owned MLS. And in fact, you don't need to be a realtor to have access to the MLS in the Seattle market. By the way, they cover a lot of different markets in the state of Washington, but not the whole state. So I think it's easy for them to make that claim right there. However, as they said, you know, they'll ask their brokers and agents to leave NAR everywhere they can. And the reason that they won't be able to is because they will need access to the MLSs in some of those other markets that they're currently in. I don't know. I got to be honest with you. As I thought about this story today, I was thinking to myself, this is a little self-serving on the part of Redfin. Again, we've talked about this over the years, right? They have viewed themselves as a disruptor, as a company that's going to change the way real estate is done. Being that they are truly a technology company that's happened to be in the business of real estate, they're looking to use their technological advantage by not being a part of NAR. And here's the reason why. You know, their letter listed the two main reasons for the brokerage's decision. Quote, NAR's policies requiring a fee for the buyer's agent on every listing and a pattern of alleged sexual harassment were the two reasons they announced. However, what they want to do is they want to be able to advertise non-realtor listings on their website, right, which is for sale by owners. And of course, part of the NAR rules is you cannot do that. So I think this is a little self-serving. Yeah, I think it could be, Bruce. They also talk about the more than $13 million in dues that they've paid NAR since 2017. And this is certainly an effort to recapture some of those dues. They talk about repurposing them, right, in their effort to explore their idea of finding advocacy for open technology-driven marketplaces that benefit the consumer. Like you said, they're really a technology-based company. So yeah, I think that self-serving or not, and whether this can actually be implemented in all the markets they serve or not, it's certainly a big announcement. And I can't think, Bruce, as long as I've been in the industry of a company of that size announcing that they are basically withdrawing from the largest lobbying arm of the industry. So that's certainly going to be a shot across the bow of NAR and our buddy Lawrence Yun over there, especially in the midst of these huge lawsuits that NAR is continuing to face along with some of the rest of us in the industry. Their house is a little bit of a mess. There's been sexual harassment lawsuits filed. And I think the culture there at NAR is is struggling, right? So it's sort of like, let's kick a man when he's down. 
but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what, if any, impact this has on the rest of the world. You know, what's fascinating here, though, Chase, is Redfin has less than 1% market share in this country. So in the grand scheme of things, it's still a small impact. They're an outsized company in terms of the amount of press they get. But yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating. And just an interesting sidebar, there are actually more real estate agents in the city of Seattle than there are realtors. In fact, the Northwest MLS has more non-realtor members than realtor members. It creates a fascinating situation there because a lot of people struggle to see what the value of their dues are. Certainly, NAR, the state association, the local associations have some challenges in telling their story and proving their value to their members because we may see more of this as people pile on. The water is pretty choppy right now for NAR. It doesn't necessarily mean that the boat sinks, Bruce, but it's pretty uncomfortable during that time period. And I think that's probably how they're feeling over there right now. This certainly doesn't help any of that. Well, after experiencing a temporary hiccup between July 2022 to January 2023, oh, we remember that well, the U.S. housing market is back on track, stronger than ever, with a total estimated value of $52 trillion. Now, that's with a T, according to a new analysis by Orphi Divonye. Uh, I probably pronounced that wrong, who is the senior economist at Zillow Group. In fact, over the past year, the value of the U.S. housing market has surged by more than $2.6 trillion. And fueling this increase is new construction, according to Debenier, even though the 1.3% rise in the average value of U.S. homes over the year also played a small role. So, Chase, I mean, this is a big number. And obviously, you know, we've been very clear that uh, real estate's a big part of the U.S. economy. But what are your thoughts about this? Well, number one, Bruce, 52 trillion is a number that most of us can't even really fathom, right? We hear it and we can't really put it into perspective. It's so big. 49% greater than before the pandemic started is certainly a huge win for homeowners in this country based on the value of those homes collectively. And it's also led to the fact that over 70% of homeowners currently have 50% of equity in their home or more. And a lot of that was due to the run-up in prices we saw over the last few years. And even though the market has significantly cooled in terms of transactions, home prices have hold pretty darn steady, even in the midst of that thus far. As far as new construction goes, that's been kind of a bright spot in a challenging market over the last year. We need those new homes because our inventory is so low. Matter of fact, newly built homes represented an elevated share of 31% of the homes that are currently available for sale in August is what this report is is geared toward. Nearly a third, Bruce, of all homes for sale are new construction. And of course, that's just adding to the total number of homes that make up this uh, $52 trillion worth of real estate. So it's pretty impressive. Not unprecedented over time for American real estate. It's gone up over time, you know, pretty consistently. It's still a great investment. And I think this just helps illustrate that. That number is pretty significant that 31% of all the inventory is new construction, which, you know, I'm not sure that I've ever seen that. I think that, you know, that speaks to the fact that we've got a lot of people who are still rate locked into their homes. We still have a shortage of housing in this country. What I thought was really fascinating, too, was the four most valuable metro areas have remained largely unchanged over the past five years. So they are New York, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and Boston. However, this year, Miami has claimed the fifth spot 
bumping out actually Washington, D.C. Another thing I think is pretty fascinating, Chase, is that if you look at the six markets where housing has gained the most value since the start of the pandemic, four of them are in Florida, right? Tampa, Miami, Jacksonville, and Orlando. As a result, Florida now has surpassed New York as the state with the second most valuable housing market behind California, which actually, by the way, represents more than $10 trillion of value in its housing market, or nearly 20% of the national total. And I think that's important for our listeners to know, Chase, because I can tell you, this is my third or fourth cycle, right? And the last three were driven by money that came out of the California market. Right. There was so much value in their real estate that they could go and buy property up here in the Northwest. And that drove our market. Yeah, I think you're also, too, as part of this, Bruce, seeing these home builders with new construction get pretty creative on what they're doing for buyers to incentivize them. Right. They're doing some buy downs. They're pricing competitively. And we've talked about this before. And that's because their motivation is a little bit different than the standard motivation of a seller who lives in their house. Right. That's going to be motivated by life. Right. The four D's, as you call it, debt, divorce, death and the job. And yet for these builders, they have a different incentive to sell this inventory. Right. It's what they do for a living. It's how they keep all their folks busy and pay all their bills and eventually turn a profit. So you're seeing them get creative in ways like that. And then when they can, you're seeing some of them work hard to build some smaller houses on some smaller lots and kind of tap into that first-time homebuyer segment with rates the way they are and prices the way they are. So they're going to continue to be entrepreneurial where they can be. And certainly with that percentage of homes available for sale being new construction, that's going to be a big part of what we're looking at in the industry. Well, that's the news you need to know. Don't miss this Friday's Northern Lights episode where we'll interview Diana Kokoska and Tony DeCello. Thanks again for tuning in with us on The Real Look. This podcast is produced by Marissa Frost. Visit kwnwr.com to access the show notes from today's episode. Head over to Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts to subscribe to The Real Look. And don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with a breakdown of all things real estate.